Excellent. Let's pray together once again. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time in our service where we have the privilege to turn our attention, our hearts to your very word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us, inspiring human authors to write your very word. Lord, we ask that you would speak in spite of an insufficient and unworthy servant. That you would move me out of your way, that you might teach us this morning, that you might show us something new and fresh from your word. Lord, something that may remind us of your goodness, of your glory. Father, please do not allow me to stand in your way from convicting us, from encouraging us, from comforting us, from challenging us, from motivating us to live for you. Lord, we ask that you would meet with us now and that you would speak to us, your children, as we seek to humbly listen to you, our Father. We ask all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do, feel free to take it and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We're doing something unique this morning, and you may not need your Bible for this particular passage. We're going to be reciting the Lord's Prayer together. I know that normally I read our passage for us, and I say, this is the Word of the Lord, and you respond with, thanks be to God. This morning, in just a moment, I'll ask everyone who is physically able to please stand out of reverence. And when I do, we will all recite the Lord's Prayer from the King James Version. It will be up on the screen for us. And then when we have concluded, I will say this is the word of the Lord, and I encourage you to respond with a hearty thanks be to God. If you would, and you are physically able, will you please stand out of reverence for the public reciting of God's holy word? As we say together, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We're going to spend the next five weeks in this, the model prayer, the Lord's prayer that he taught us to pray in this manner. We're reverting back to the King James Version because I can't not recite the Lord's prayer in the King James Version. Every so often I get a different translation mixed in there with trespasses, but when we were done with football games or baseball games or wherever else, like we always stumbled over trespasses, and then I remember that the King James had it as debts and debtors. You know, just King James, King Jimmy made it real easy for us. He laid it down there on the bottom shelf, debts and debtors. I don't know if any of you guys ever like took a knee after a game and everybody was like, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And everybody just gets lost in all of it. I'm Just debtors and debts just work a lot. It's a lot smoother. It's a lot better. And there's a lot of other translations that will take out that last portion. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that being in the King James translation. But based on the manuscripts that we have that are available to us, 
They copied the text from the original manuscripts. As they copied it, different scribes who copied it potentially made notes along the way. More than likely, what entered into the King James Version when it says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, was a scribe as he was reciting this and writing the King James Version of the Lord's Prayer. He added in a very appropriate, doctrinally sound phrase, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It got copied that way, and then that copy got copied, and then that copy got copied, and now we have what we have today. But there's nothing unscriptural about it. There's nothing wrong with reciting that. But if you go back to the earliest manuscripts of Matthew that we can find in the original Greek, you will not find, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Even right then, I add forever and ever. That's just a natural addition that I add. Is there anything wrong with saying forever and ever instead of forever? Well, no. But that's exactly what happened probably with the scribes who were copying the text because they didn't have photocopiers. It was just people writing it down. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, one of those scribes said, Whoo, man, this gets me fired up because thine is the kingdom and thine is the power and thine is the glory forever. Amen. And everybody was like, Whoo, that sounds good. Let's keep it in there. And it just stayed. So we will stick with the King James Version of the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer necessarily as a model for how we ought to pray, which is how we often look at the Lord's Prayer. That is an excellent and efficient way to look at the Lord's Prayer. If you are struggling in your prayer life, use this as your model. It is the model prayer. Start off by acknowledging who God is. Start off by acknowledging how holy and awesome and wonderful God is. Acknowledge that He is in heaven, high above us. Much like Isaiah 55 says, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You can riff on those statements for quite a while. Acknowledging and declaring and describing the goodness, the glory, the holiness, and the hallowedness of our God. You can pray that His kingdom would come. I encourage us to pray often that Jesus would return, that his kingdom would come so that on earth his will would be done exactly as it is being done in heaven, that his will would be accomplished. Because we are the only creatures in all of God's creation that actually rebelled against what God told us to do. Everything else followed his will perfectly. You will do this. You will go here. You will bark. You will not talk. And so dogs bark. They don't try to talk. But here we are. You will not eat from this one tree. We're the only thing that rebelled against his will. So when we pray his kingdom come, his will be done, we're asking for earth to be just like heaven. That only will be accomplished when Jesus comes back. That's good to pray for to pray for our daily needs, to pray that we would be people of forgiveness, to pray that we would be forgiven, to pray that we would run from temptation, to pray that His kingdom would be known, to declare that His power and His glory is the only thing that matters from now until the end of eternity. Those are great things to use this model prayer for. What we're going to look at for the next five weeks, one verse at a time, is we're going to look at what this model prayer says about our God. Jesus was not only teaching us how to pray and giving us a model prayer, he was actually teaching us about God because he starts with our Father. Our Father. 
This is the same word in Aramaic that would be Abba. And I know that Abba oftentimes is translated to daddy, which there may or may not be anything wrong with translating Abba to daddy. But in Aramaic, adults and children would all say Abba. It is an Aramaic word for father, but it is an intimate word for father. This is not my dad left when I was a baby and I've never met him. This is my daddy raised me. My daddy came home every night. My daddy went to work. My daddy was at my ball games. Daddy is, is more personal. Abba is somewhere between father and daddy. It is more personal. It is not just some distant figure that is far away. And when he says, our father which art in heaven, he's not talking about God being far away from us. He's not talking about how God is distant and God is not there for you. He's talking about how God is so far beyond us, beyond our comprehension. Like we just referenced in Isaiah 55, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As high above the the sea and the land is the sky, so are the thoughts of the Lord higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher and better than our ways. That's how much higher above us He is. He's existing on another playing field, on another plane. We're down here playing Pee Wee, Dixie Youth, Babe Ruth baseball, and God is beyond the major leagues. That's what this is talking about. When it says that God is in heaven and he is our father, he is better than any major league baseball player. And we're playing peewee baseball. The ball is on a tee and we are cleaning the tees clock and never touching the ball. That's the difference between us and God. He is in heaven, but not distant from us. He is a caring, loving father. And we see that all over Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New. Turn with me and let's look at a few passages. Deuteronomy 32, verse 6. Deuteronomy 32, verse 6. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not He your Father who created you, who made you and established you? Listen, if you have had a good Father in your life, you have had this talk. This is... Moses, speaking on behalf of God to the people of Israel, is this how you repay the Lord, you bunch of foolish, senseless people? Have you ever had a, a good a good chewing from your dad and uh, you walked away feeling pretty foolish and uh, senseless? You know what I mean? You, you, you get those, what on earth came over you? Why would you do this? Look, he's not here this morning. He's still with grandparents. We've got to go pick him up this afternoon. There was one day Micah was in our driveway, and he ran full on, y'all. I'm talking everything he had. Bam! Right into our garage door. There's still a dent, an impression of his head in our garage door. And he came in, and he's like, oh, my goodness. Dad, Dad I just ran into the garage door. It hurt. Run it by me again, son. Run it by me. I, I, must, I must have misheard you. No, no, no. I ran down the driveway and I slammed into the garage door and like, my head is throbbing. What did you expect to happen, son? What, what did you think was going to take place? Did you think you're going to bowl the door down? If you bowled the door down, didn't you think we'd have to fix it? Like, 
Why would you try and knock down our garage door? Why would you try and see if you're tougher than that? That's the dumbest thing I believe you've done in every moment of your life. Why did you run into our garage door? I don't know, Dad. I just, I was wondering, you know, I was like, wonder how tough that door is, you know, and maybe I'm tougher than that door. And so I just ran right into it. Well, you know, let's make sure you don't have a concussion. And, and I guess we'll, we'll go from there. I don't know. There have been so many times in my life where my dad has had to look at me and go, son, I love you, but that was really stupid. Like, what, what on earth were you thinking? Folks, they tell us that our brains don't even fully form until we're 25. They tell us that there's parts of our brains that help us make good decisions that are not fully and completely formed until we're 25 years old. So literally, our dads are that much higher above us because their brains have formed, hopefully, by God's grace, for most of us, maybe, and our brains have not. And we're incapable of making good decisions. And that's what's happening in Deuteronomy 32. God is our Father. And sometimes that means having a conversation with us as sons and daughters going, what on earth were you thinking? Why would you do that? I don't know. I don't know, Dad. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Well, it wasn't. Have you ever taken your parents' love and grace and mercy and thrown it in their face? They trust you and they they give you curfews and they say, hey, you know what? If you're going to be late, it's fine. You stay out and hang out with your friends. And then you betray that trust. And you come home and you got into something really, really dumb because we all know nothing good and godly happens after midnight, right? And so then you come home And your parents look at you and say, is this how you repay us? We granted you trust. We gave you freedom because we felt like we could trust the decisions that you would make. And this is how you treat us. You know you represent us because we created you. You are our child. That's what the Lord is saying in Deuteronomy 32 to His children, Israel, and We are the real Israel if we are people of faith. We are adopted into His family. And so He looks at us and says, Why do you return to your vomit? Why do you go back to the same things? Is this how you treat the One who created you, who knit you together, who knew you before you were even formed? But it's it's not just angry conversations. It's every range of fatherhood. It's being a father to the fatherless. Psalm 68, verse 5. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. I'll never forget my dad waking me up on a Saturday. In my home church where I grew up, there was a preacher who was unfaithful to his wife. And he got another woman pregnant and decided to leave his family and go start this other family. And so this woman was left as practically a widow. She she had very little support. Her her sons were either grown and gone or too young to help out. And my dad woke me up and he said, son, we're going to cut the grass. I said, dad, we cut the grass yesterday. He said, it's not our grass. And we loaded up every piece of lawn equipment that we had and we went to her house. And we, I mean, manicured her yard, okay? I, I've never made my yard look as good as we made her yard look. And we kept her yard as pristine as we possibly could. My dad never told a soul. Right now is the first time that I've ever talked about it because he knew that's just how you take care of those who are fatherless. And he set an example for that young man who was in that house 
who wasn't old enough to understand what was going on, but he was old enough to understand that there are fathers in this world who will stand by those who are fatherless because that's what God the Father does. If you are fatherless, He is a father to the fatherless. He is a protector of widows. That is who God is in His holy habitation. Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. The Lord is not just some angry little boy in the sky with a magnifying glass trying to burn us up like we're all ants. Our God is a God who is merciful and compassionate slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. By the time God brings discipline upon us, it is way past time for what we really deserve. And when we deserved to be wiped off the face of the earth, He decided to redeem us and keep us. This is the compassion that He, our Father, shows to those who fear Him. Jeremiah 31, verse 9. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. We have examples of God leading His children. Remember, as the Israelites left Egypt, He appeared as a pillar of fire. He appeared as a pillar of smoke. To lead them where they needed to go. Our Father does not leave us wandering. He is our Father who is in heaven. But He is step by step walking with us. Leading us where we might go. Leading us to be the people that we ought to be. Hosea chapter 11 verses 1 through 4. Hosea chapter 11 verses 1 through 4. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. Folks, I know that a lot of times when we get hurt, we go straight to mom. But I remember one time, I don't remember all the events that happened, but I remember waking up after having been knocked unconscious at a disciple now one time. Trust me, it happens. You just, you just go there, you just roll with it. And I woke up and I was in bed. My dad was there by the bedside. He was taking care of me. He was making sure that I I wasn't passed out. He was making sure that all the things that can go seriously wrong, he watched me every moment that I slept. And until I woke up, I had not come back to myself. I got knocked unconscious, and for an entire evening and through that whole night, I never came back to myself. This was the event where they tell me that every 30 seconds or so, I would ask the question, am I still engaged to Jessica Aline Pink? That was her, her full name at that time. And people would look at me and they would say, yes, Nathan, you are. I don't know why getting knocked unconscious made me think that suddenly our engagement had broken. But I asked this question repeatedly. And then they would say, yes, Nathan, you are still engaged to Jessica Aline Penny. And my response would be, she is smoking hot. So there you go. That's the true story that, that really happened. But that was my father. When all of the craziness and I came back to my senses, The first thing I remember when I opened my eyes 
is my father being there. And all that time that I was unaware, he cared for me. Intimately. Taking care of his children. I've seen him do it for my brother. I've seen him do it for my sister. That's who God is. Not some distant father in heaven who ignores us. But when we're hurt, when we're down, he teaches us to walk. He leads us and picks us up by our arms. He heals us when we are hurting He drives us along with cords of kindness. When we pray, our Father who art in heaven, we're not just reciting some empty words. We're talking to Daddy. My Dad, who's in heaven, who loves me and cares for me, who taught me to walk. And then, this is further evidence of who God is. Psalm 46, verses 1-3. to Not only is He our Father who loves us, but even without referencing what kind of father he is. The description in Psalm 46 says, Our God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. When you're in trouble, you run to mama, you run to daddy. You're going to run to daddy. You all know it. If you are in a dark corner where things look a little bit shady, you run to dad because dad's going to do something about it. When somebody scared you, when something was unfair and you needed justice, you knew dad would bring the hammer and you ran to your Father, who was your refuge, who was your place of strength. Even though the earth may give away, we will not fear. The mountains can be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, the mountains tremble at its swelling. Our God is still our refuge, our strength. Very present help in time of trouble. Whether you're facing cancer, whether you're facing some incredibly difficult surgery, whether you're facing school shootings and church shootings and shootings everywhere you turn, whether you're facing the LGBTQ agenda, whether you're facing Pride Month, whether you're facing the um, undercutting of Scripture, whether you're facing how this whole world just seems to be on fire, literally and figuratively, our God is a very present help in any and every trouble. We pray, our Father, which art in heaven, because that's where we go in the trouble. No matter what's going on. When the money doesn't add up, our Father is a very present help in time of trouble. And then I just want to piggyback on the same verses that Jason shared with us earlier. This is where we'll end. John chapter 14, verses 8 through 21, 18 through 21. I love this translation says, I will not leave you as orphans. This is, I, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. One of the greatest things about praying our Father, which art in heaven, is that if we are in the Father, we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. It's not just some simple prayer to remind us that He's coming back. It's not just some simple prayer to run to Him in times of trouble. It is a simple, easy reminder that if we are in our Father, our Father is in us as our Father is in Christ, and Christ is in us, and there is hope Because He is our Father. And our Savior and our Father are one. And He is coming back. Folks, we say the Lord's Prayer because that's what the Lord taught us to pray. But it also teaches us who God is. How He loves us. 
as a father. And on Father's Day, let's, let's take some time to remember what kind of father we have in heaven, regardless of what kind of father we have had here on earth. And if you've never been adopted into the family of the Father, all it takes is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior. Committing your life to Him. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, He it is who loves me. And He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believe in the Lord, you follow His commandments, He will love you. You will be loved by the Father. And He will come and manifest that love to you. Let's pray. We thank You, Father, that You are good. That You are compassionate and kind. That You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We thank You, Lord, that everything that a father should be, You are, and then some. We thank You that even though we are sometimes ignorant, sometimes silly and senseless and foolish children, You are in heaven, high above us, beyond us in every way. Thank You that You know what we don't. Thank You that Your knowledge is infinite. Thank You that there's nowhere that we can run to get away from You. Lord, help us to recognize You as Father. We love You. We ask these things in Jesus' name.